the Valley Hub Stories podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been recorded, Gumbangya country. We acknowledge and respect their continuing connection to and care of country throughout time. Hello and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Valley Hub Stories podcast. I'm your host, Penny Coulter. Boy, do I have a treat for you today. I am exceptionally pleased to bring you this episode with the wonderful Sarah Miles. Sarah is so many things. A photographer, doula, face painter, animal rescuer, mum, wife, duck walker. You'll get that reference a little later. But what she is most of all is interesting and what a cool thing to be. Here she shares a bit of her life with us from her work to her life lessons and so many things in between. We cover a lot here and there is still so much more we could have talked about. So here is a small snippet of Sarah Miles. Sarah, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Penny. Tell me about you. Well, what do you want to know first? (laughs) Let's start with what your average day looks like. Okay, well, I am, I'm just going to say I'm an artist, creative, first and foremost, probably a photographer, (laughs) probably. (laughs) And for me, I uh, run my own business taking photographs. I do painting and teach painting through Paint Your Town Australia, which is really fun. And I also do a bit of face painting on the side, sometimes some kids workshops. And yeah, as well as raise my family and all my animals and yeah, that's about it. So let's break that down one by one. <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk, uh, let's talk about your photography um, because you, you do cover quite a scope of work in that area too. Yeah. One of which is birth photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Well, I started my business like way back in 2016 here in Barraville and I started as just a plain old portrait photographer and got into weddings, started doing weddings because, you know, who doesn't love a good wedding? And then I had my baby Phoebe, who's not a baby anymore, but let's not talk about that. And after having her, I thought, wow, birth is pretty amazing. And I I'll try my hand at birth photography. So I have a lovely friend who let me practice on her. (laughs) And um, actually I photographed her wedding as well. So it was really nice um, to be there for her birth. And after that was kind of hooked on birth, I guess, because, you know, just to realise the variety in it and how, you know, how real and raw it is. So, yeah, after that I got into... Uh, photographing births and along the way with birth you kind of can't help but support the families and the women who are having the baby so it became sort of more of a passion and I started offering doula support too so not only do I do the birth photography but I also work for my families as a doula if they choose to have a doula Mm. and a doula is just a fancy word for a birth helper, I'm going to say, or someone that will support you emotionally through your birth journey. So, yeah, I've been doing that for, I'm going to say, five years now. 
And then I finally purchased some underwater housing just recently. And it's funny because when I first got into photography, like back in 2011 or whatever it was, I bought my first camera with the idea that I was going to buy some underwater housing because I used to, the you know, I had friends who are underwater photographers on the Great Barrier Reef and it took me, <laughs> what, it's taken me 11, 12 years to get that housing. So I got that in January this year and so now I'm just starting with all the underwater photography stuff, which is like combining two of my greatest passions, art, underwater people. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, I guess you can add that. So portrait photographer, wedding photographer, birth photographer, underwater photographer. And uh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Mm. Yep. So we might be seeing a few more water births. (laughs) Oh, look, if someone wants to give birth in the creek or in the ocean, that would be great. (laughs) So I'm kind of curious how this conversation went with your friend. You know, did you offer or did they ask for you to... Take some photos. I, well, I actually offered. So I think I put a, a call out on social media. Hey, try my hand at birth. If there's anyone out there who wants to let me in, um, I'd be happy to come along. And she'd only just found out she was pregnant, I think. So she was like, Sarah, don't tell anyone, but I'm pregnant. And I was like, yay, <laughs> you're perfect. So, yeah, and she actually birthed um, in Maxwell Hospital at the old hospital yeah. in the nice big blow up birth pool. And it was just, yeah, it was like the perfect kind of scenario for my first time. It was just calm and, you know, it was actually the birth that I really wanted, which I didn't get for Phoebe. But yeah, yeah, it was nice. So when you're in that space, and I I guess you kind of alluded to this before, that it's really, it's probably quite difficult to not want to jump in and and support women and and perhaps that's how you kind of merge the two aspects. But I'm just thinking, you know, have you attended births just kind of as an observer? Yeah, so when I am just working as a birth photographer, I'm just observing. So there's not Unless I see someone that's struggling and usually it's the partner that needs a little bit of support to help support the person birthing, um, of course I'll jump in and, and hand a water bottle over and say, I think they need a drink or, you know, whatever it might be. But as birth photographer, yes, just observing is my main my main priority and my main role um, because if I stand back and let things unfold in front of me, that's the true story and, and, you know, people are quite capable of looking after themselves. And, in fact, in my doula work, in any case, when I support my families, you know, when they're birthing, I'm generally not doing a lot in the birth suite. I'm just mainly supporting the partner to support the person birthing. And most of my doula work happens prior to birth where I'm building the families up to be confident in what they're doing and what their decisions are. So, you know, I always say if I get to the birth and I'm working too hard, (laughs) then we've sort of failed prior to getting to that birth suite, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. So do you find that after attending, you know, 
obviously quite a number of births. There's, uh, uh, I guess you operate from an intuitive space of knowing, okay, this is potentially going to happen now, so I need to be prepared to get a photo. Or- Absolutely. I, I love photographing births because they're all different, but they all follow the same. The physiology of birth is the same no matter who you are. And there are signs that you can watch out for to let you know what's going to happen next as a photographer or as a birth worker or midwife. Mainly, you know, one of the main things is when mum's had enough and she doesn't want to go on anymore, um, it's very likely that baby's going to come quite soon after that. And of course, you know, I'm trying to think if I've been to a birth that happened so fast that I, I couldn't get the shot. But I mean, it's really, I'm there, I'm ready, I'm watching the whole time. So, you know, you sort of just, I guess maybe it's a bit of intuition as well. Um, And having usually like really good um, midwives or support people around that if they can see that maybe I'm, you know, about to miss something or whatever, they can sort of say, come on, come this way, you know. That was sort of in the early stages of me learning. But yeah, I guess just following your intuition and, and knowing the families as well. Like I don't go into a birth having never met the person. <laughs> it might be a bit of a different story, but um, I've usually done plenty of prenatal meetings with them and know them really well. So I, yeah, I just going to say like the, the, the more experience you have, the better you are at just knowing where to be when. And I'm quite, I want to say adept at squeezing into small spaces, jumping onto chairs, lifting up my camera high so that I don't miss a shot. Yeah. And I want to say that that comes from experience from photographing weddings as well, because sometimes at weddings you have to be a little bit pushy <laughs> or you have to just duck really quickly to, to for, you know, someone jumps in your way. So you've got to jump out of their way so that you can get the shot. And it's the same in the birth suite. So I always say to, the, you know, the midwives and the support person, like, don't worry about me, just do you and I'll work around you. And, um, yeah, you'll see me standing on couches and tables and, oops, sorry, I just got to stand here and, you know, just that sort of thing. Yeah, and then obviously the most important thing that you want to get really is the emotion after, like yeah. the, the just after birth when mum's pulled baby up and they're having their very first cuddle um, and by that stage everyone's usually hands off and, mm. you know. And that look of sheer relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it feel driving home from that experience? It's really lovely, yeah, and it's usually very early in the morning and if it's sunrise, which it has been many times, I'll stop and take a photo of the sunrise and that will go into my client's birth gallery as well, like Mm -hmm. sunrise on the first morning. But, yeah, usually quite tired but also very happy yeah, really feeling quite privileged. Mm. Yeah. Something else that you're quite passionate about is um, wildlife. And yeah. um, listeners may be able to hear the canaries in the yeah. background. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But you also um, did have a period where you went viral on TikTok for <laughs> <laughs> the unmentionable pigeon and rabbit. I Yeah, yes. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, you spend so much time in your business just trying to get out there, just like 
everyone, look at me. And then I, my husband brought home a baby pigeon once. And uh, when, you know, I said, I think Phoebe was, she was little. She was too little for us to have a pigeon to worry about. But I said to him, why did you bring this pigeon home? And he's like, you know, it, I was I was closing up a roof. I had to bring it home. And I was like, but you didn't. <laughs> and he's like, I wanted to show Phoebe. And I said, well, what are we going to do with it now? And he was like, I don't know. We'll just, I'll just take it back or something. And I said, you can't take, now it's going to die if you take it back. So I'll just have to look after it. You know, my little stompy, like, oh my gosh, what has he done again? (laughs) He's the one that brings home all the animals. I love them. But if I bring home one, I get into trouble. But anyway, (laughs) so I, I was looking after this baby pigeon. I was like making, you know, soggy seeds, shoving it down its throat, all of this. Anyway, brought it up until it could sort of fly around and it was flying around the house and sort of you know, making a mess everywhere. And I thought, I can't have you in the house. I don't have a cage for you. So I'll, I'll, I know, I'll just stick you in with the rabbit. And at the stage, that stage, we only had one rabbit. And so put Galaxy, the pigeon, in with Spot the rabbit. (laughs) And lo and behold, Spot taught the pigeon how to eat seed. And they were, became best friends. They were together always galaxy was free to fly off whenever he wanted to but he never flew off and then gary brought home a female rabbit (laughs) (laughs) and um anyway so then we had baby rabbits Uh, i didn't know this but male and female pigeons both look after their young and so i don't know whether galaxy's a boy or a girl totally irrelevant but he started looking after the baby rabbits And also what I didn't know is that rabbits only feed their babies once or twice in the middle of the night. So anyway, you know, the rest of the time they don't even sort of hang around with their babies. So here's Honey, the female rabbit, just doing her thing outside while she's got her babysitter pigeon. (laughs) And he's just like every, you could like, you could hear him sort of like cooing at her, like, come on, come and feed your babies. And he was, you know, he'd get cranky at her and peck her on the head. And anyway, hilarious. So I took a video of it. It was just a simple video of the pigeon sitting on the rabbits. The ba- And, you know, if you've never seen a baby rabbit, they're the cutest things in the world. Yeah, uploaded it to TikTok and it went viral. And I was like, like of all the things, like, to go viral, my pigeon and my rabbit doing better than my business. But anyway, yeah, so, you know, ended up, I think it was like, I don't know, 3.4 million viewers mm. and then um viral hog took over the licensing of it for me they you know you get heaps of people that get in touch and so yeah so now I get I mean the pigeon pays his own way and <laughs> I get kickbacks from that but yeah I think on TikTok I did change my TikTok to Animal Girl Australia yeah so yeah there's a few other little animal videos and stuff on there the little flying foxes that I care for there's a couple of them on there as well. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to see a pigeon looking after a baby rabbit, that's where you need to go. Because <laughs> a lot of them, and I'm, I'm just looking at the walls in your house right now, and, and a lot of, there's quite a number of animal yeah. artworks. Yeah. Um, how much does that influence your art? Or, you know, are animals central enough to your world that they – I guess are the primary thing coming out in your art or is that intentional? No, look, I think 
It's really bizarre actually because I love animals and prior to doing this sort of work, I worked with animals a lot. My first job was at a boarding kennel in Coffs Harbour, Patina Park. It's not there anymore. But that was my first job. And as a kid, like I always loved animals and joined WIRES when I was 18 and started looking after the flying foxes there, begged mum for a pet snake for years and finally got one when I turned 16 much to her disgust, but good on her for doing that. <laughs> and, you know, I used to walk my dog every day. And in fact, a lot of people around town would refer to me as the girl who walks her dog. <laughs> and when, and when, I, when I worked on the reef boat up in Early Beach one day, I'm just walking around and I am shocking. Like if I see people and I meet people, I forget faces and names really easy. Plus I'm always off in my own little world. So I often will stare straight through people and that people will think that, oh, she's she's rude or she's she's got the shits with me or whatever. And it's honestly like I've got no clue what's going on and have been nicknamed Space Cadet in the past <laughs> because of that. So if I ever ignore, if I know you and I've ignored you, I'm terribly sorry. But anyway, I'm working on the reef boat one day and I hear this, excuse me. And I'm like, yes. Are you the girl who walks her dog? <laughs> I was like, had been in early for probably two years by that stage. And I was like, yes, who are you? <laughs> so, and I used to get the snake, uh, you know, and, and walk her around and had some ducks that we used to walk around and take out to Wyora and, you know, just crazy stuff. And Sorry, I have to stop you there. <laughs> How does one walk ducks? <laughs> They just sort of follow you. When they when you bring them up, they just love you and follow you. And plus the dog that you're looking at in the wall, Rocky, that's the dog I used to walk. You're right. And he used to be able to round things up with me because he was a cuddle dog. So he'd sort of take the ducks out to Iora for a swim. And then if I couldn't get them, like me and Rocky would round them up together and bring them home. Anyway, uh, we didn't have mobile phones back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, so I guess worked with animals for a long time. And then when I moved back here and had a baby, it just turned into realising that people are also really cool, you know, and have stories to tell and particularly that women are super strong and capable and just, yeah, I think that's sort of where I diverged there but in terms of my art animals is what I draw and I'm really for the last few years have just been obsessed with whales and have been drawing and painting whales it's pretty much the only thing I've really been doing when I choose to do art myself Mm. Um, if I'm doing art for paint your town it's sort of whatever is happening but yeah yeah Mm. okay <clears throat> oh, I cannot wait to put this introduction together. <laughs> like a pigeon that pays his own way, walking your ducks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so much good content. <laughs> I, I want to talk a bit more about the art space. Well, I, I feel like people have a different concept of art and if you embody, you know, being an artist or identify as being an artist, yeah. I feel like you probably see it quite differently to people who 
observe art and yep. have an appreciation for it. And I, I kind of want to know how that influences the way that you see the world. Oh, yeah. Well, firstly, the way that I view the world is often in terms of light. And when you become a photographer and you start uh, taking photos and you finally the concept of light and how it interacts with your photos clicks in your head, you, you can't really see anything else except for light when you're walking, when you're driving, when you go absolutely anywhere. If the light is right, you notice it. And that can be really, you know, it's really good because you, I always point it out, like, look at the light over there. It's amazing. Um, but then at the same time, there's always a little bit of a, oh, don't have my camera. Or I really need, I really need some people to photograph right now. So that's first and foremost, I I notice the world in terms of the light. But then, you know, when it comes to my other art, drawing and painting, you always look to, well, I always look to nature for inspiration. And when I paint or draw, I usually always have someone in mind usually a person in mind, and I draw or paint for them, whether I'm giving that painting to them or not. Um, It always sort of brings more meaning and heartfelt love into Mm. an artwork. But, yeah, when I do anything for myself, uh, including photos and stuff, there's always something from the outside coming into it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I guess that's kind of what transcends it from... Oh, into a spiritual experience, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drawing um, meaning into your artwork from other sort of outside influences. I did a really great course through Jennifer Thorsten a couple of years ago now, maybe longer than that. (laughs) And she is an incredible artist, photographer, and uh, she lives over in America. I can't remember where exactly. But she does beautiful women's portraits where she will go out in the desert or wherever in the middle of the day and she'll put up a gazebo with a white roof so she gets that really soft light coming through and she'll pull things out of the environment and she'll get like cloth and things and she'll make a dress on her her subject in that environment and then she gets them to go into all these weird and wonderful poses as she photographs them in the noon like light and then she'll you know she's done work in the water and that sort of stuff as well but I did the course was conceptual art so or conceptual photography and that went for a few months and that was really insightful into sort of thinking about conceptualism and how you can tell a story in a photograph or in a painting just by adding things that might not mean anything to anybody else yep but it means something to you and anything that inspires the viewer to just think a thought about anything they don't have to get it i always say that like in my opinion everyone can be or is an artist you just have to express how you're feeling on some sort of medium I'm thinking about one of your photos that has a vacuum cleaner in it. Yeah, that one, um, one of my favourite photos as well. That was made during that course and it's a photo uh, that was taken in Valor 
on that little bush track that sort of fills up with water with all of the melaleuca trees in there. We were trying to take a bo- like make a body of work around a topic and, of course, the topic I chose was birth. <laughs> and so I interviewed a few different people about their birth story and then I turned their story into a piece of conceptual art, just taking bits and pieces from it. And so that photo with the vacuum cleaner is actually a story of my birth with Phoebe. So Phoebe and I are in the photo. And she, uh, Phoebe was born with the aid of the ventouse or the vacuum and hence the reason for the vacuum. And... Yeah, so, you know, chose that location just because, one, it's beautiful. I love landscapes and um, wanted us to both be in the photo. Um, It just sort of came together that way. Yeah. So talking about bringing meaning into your work, what creates that meaning for you? Is it the capacity to share a story? But specifically for you, you know, what is – this is a – a very big question. <laughs> what is the meaning of life for you, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the meaning of life, I think, always changes as you grow, you know, and as you learn and experience new things. And I think the meaning of life might be just to live, mm. <laughs> you know, because I really, I guess in terms of expression with my art, I'm very, um, I'm quite introverted and I don't really talk much about what's going on with me and how I might feel. And so I express and get that out through my art and it's just a way of me expressing myself. And I also write as well. And then putting it out there into the world is like a way of sharing your story. It may be less confronting than actually, you know, telling the the actual truth or telling the the story that's behind it, Mm. but it can be emotion evoking. So when you put that emotion out there, it, it helps draw other people in who might be feeling that same emotion and it makes people feel not as alone, I think. When I look at a, some other artist's work that is really beautiful and wonderful, it makes me feel, you know, it could make me feel anything. It could make me feel sad or joyful or whatever the thing may be, but it makes me feel like there is joy and hope in the world. So I think that's part of it. Kind of reminds me of a saying, on the way, the way becomes the way. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, you know, we life really is way too short. Mm. It's for living. And if you're not doing things that bring you joy, then what is the point of being here? Yep, yep. Like, Definitely. full stop. If you're not happy, you need to change something. How do you change it? Just, that's the, that's the, that's the real question. How do you change? And I think... You know, people get so stuck in life that they're not really living because they're afraid to change because that's the the hardest thing. And I think, you know, that's another good thing about art and being able to make so many different things and express yourself that way. It sort of takes the fear out of getting out there and doing something new. Mm. Yeah. So 
bringing all of those things together and the parts that make up Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) What are the three big lessons, I guess, that you've learned from life that you could share? Three big lessons. Well, look, belief in yourself, for starters, is is the biggest one. And if you don't believe in yourself, find people that do believe in you and start um, listening to them. Mm. And just live. You want to do it, go and do it. I read a great book recently about a woman who fell from the sky. That's what the book's called, The Woman Who Fell from the Sky. You've probably mm. heard of it. And her motto is, if you can, you must. So mm. I think that's a really great one. So if you want to do it, do it. And um, love, just love everything. You know, love your family, love your friends, everyone that's there to support you, love them back just as hard. But also loving yourself is really important as well and, and understanding that you need to do what's best for you. Mm. Yeah, because no one else is going to step in and, and take control of what of your life except except for you. So, yeah, belief in yourself, do it and love yourself and everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm. Great lessons. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, if people want to connect with you, Sarah, how can they do that? Oh, everyone's on social media. So jump onto social media. My uh, Facebook page is Sarah J Photographer and Creative and um, I think my Instagram handle is Sarah J Creatress. And then my website as well, sarahjcreative.com.au. And, yeah, you can just touch base with me on, on either of those. Or if people see you walking your dog. <laughs> or your ducks. <laughs> yeah, or the snake. No. <laughs> yeah, obviously, if you see me around as well, like, say hi. Yeah. Tell me who you are, if, you know. <laughs> <laughs> understand that I'll probably forget later but um yeah just you know sometimes I feel like I'm not approachable but I really honestly I am <laughs> I do notice a lot of people recognize Phoebe as well um when I'm walking around because she's very hard to forget with her head of curly <laughs> hair beautiful head of <laughs> um yeah. yeah yeah well thank you for sharing today Sarah oh thanks for having me Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Valley Hub Stories podcast. If you'd like to connect with Sarah, you can find her links in the show notes. As always, we love hearing what you think. So please reach out to us via our socials at thevalleyhub underscore NV or via email at info at thevalleyhub.com.au. Until next time, go well. Go well.